everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today we're going to look at what it means to let God walk us through a personal revival. And it's based on Psalm 5110, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, sometimes the words, you know, personal revival and holiness and letting God clean you from the inside out, cleanse sin out of your life, just feels a little bit intimidating, like it's going to be a really painful, miserable experience. And by the time the whole process is done, you're going to be left with um, just a really boring, unexciting life because everything is stripped away. But actually, the opposite is true. This is the secret to really gaining the joy that does not fade away is is having a right spirit renewed within you by the hand of God. My first experience with going through a personal revival was in my teen years. I was about 17 years old, and I remember really feeling a barrier in my relationship with Christ. I had been a Christian since a very young age, and I remember just trying to have quiet times, but the words were just sort of empty. I was not getting out of anything when I would read the scripture. I wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense to me. There was nothing that would really speak to my heart or change my life. And my prayers just kind of felt that they weren't going anywhere. And I remember one day just being frustrated and praying about it and saying, Lord, I want to have a close relationship with you, but I feel very far away from you. And I really don't know why. Show me what to do. And to me, it really didn't make sense that I would feel that barrier in my relationship with Christ because I'd been a Christian for almost my entire life. I'd had a passion for spiritual things in my younger years. When I was nine, I had memorized the entire book of Philippians. When I was 10, I had led my neighbor to Christ. And so even at a young age, my walk with Christ was truly real and vibrant. I loved to pray and worship and write spiritual truths in my journal, to read Christian books, to study scripture. I was very purposeful about sharing Christ with others. But when I entered high school, something changed. I still went to church and had daily quiet times, but for some reason, I no longer had an intimate connection with Christ. Like I said, my prayers just seemed to really go no further than the ceiling. The Bible was just uninteresting and dull. I felt like I was really just going through the motions of Christianity. Maybe you can relate to this experience. I had a genuine desire to put Jesus Christ first in my life, and I didn't understand why I felt such a spiritual dullness or where it was coming from. But when I prayed that prayer, Lord, show me why there is a barrier in my relationship with you, there was a verse that immediately came to my mind, and it was Psalm 24, 3, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. Those words really convicted me. It really forced me to ask some questions. Was my heart pure before God? Were my hands clean in his eyes? I forced myself to take an honest look at my conduct over the past few years, and I knew the answer to both of those questions was no. Scenes now began to replay in my mind. There had been moments of compromise and and willful sins, sins that I had never confessed or made right. All the while, I'd been professing to have a strong relationship with Christ. I'd been breaking his heart by living a lifestyle of compromise. Now, I justified my actions by looking at other Christian standards and reasoning that many of them were making the same choices, so it must be okay for me too. But now I clearly saw how wrong this logic was. 
I had strayed so far away from the one who had given everything for me. And as this reality sank in, I became just flooded with regret, but also with hope. I felt as if Jesus himself were standing there extending an opportunity to me. It was an opportunity to come away from compromise, to purify my heart, and to experience a vibrant, unhindered relationship with him once again. I sensed what I needed to do. He was calling me to repent, to allow him to cleanse me and make me new. He was not condemning me, rather he was inviting me to experience his forgiveness and his restoration. His love for me was so deep that he longed to remove everything that would stand in the way of my ability to walk in fellowship with him. And as I began to recognize what he was offering, I really was ready to respond. I remember getting my journal and my pen and kneeling beside my bed and asking God to show me every past or present sin in my life that needed to be dealt with, that needed to be confessed and repented of. Memories started to come to my attention that I had long forgotten, and part of me wished they could stay that way. But as I confessed and repented each of these sins that God brought to my mind, I began to feel a freedom unlike I'd ever known. I felt directed to make things right, not only with God, but also with other people that I'd wronged. I remember sitting down with my parents and repenting of lies that I had told them and ways that I had shown them disrespect. And I remember repenting to my younger brothers for not being an example of Christ to them and even calling friends and asking their forgiveness for hurtful things that I'd done. Over a period of a few weeks, there were lots of other practical steps that God led me to take as a part of this repenting and cleansing process. I destroyed remnants of damaging past relationships that still had a hold over my heart. Notes from former boyfriends, photos from past relationships, even old yearbooks that carried memories of sin and compromise. I remember throwing away sensual outfits that I had subconsciously worn simply to draw the attention of guys throwing away popular magazines that were fun to read but had filled my mind with disdain for innocence and disrespect for things of God. I got rid of music that applauded impurity. It it really didn't matter how small or subtle the compromise seemed. If there was a hint of impurity in it, if God brought it to my attention, I confessed it and snuffed it out of my life by his grace. These steps were not taken from a sense of trying to earn God's favor. They were actions that came naturally and willingly out of a heart overflowing with love and desire for a deeper relationship with him. I wanted absolutely nothing to stand in the way of experiencing a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. It was like the response of the new believers in the book of Acts, where it says many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds, and many who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. That's from Acts 19. And as a result of these believers' obedience and repentance, it says the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. And that's what happened in my own life. As I responded to God's gentle conviction, repented of my sins, and made things right with others, my relationship with him began to thrive like never before. Suddenly, his word came alive to me. My Christianity became real and life-changing, and my life began to reflect the holiness of Jesus Christ. 
Now, this repentance and house cleaning process didn't mean that I no longer stumbled or struggled with sin, but sin was no longer ruling my life or clouding my relationship with Christ. By God's grace, I learned how to recognize sin and quickly respond to the conviction of God's spirit, to repent and make things right before sin had a chance to gain a foothold in my soul. Since that personal revival that I experienced, there have been many other purifying seasons that God has walked me through. Every time the process has been painful and humbling, but in the end, there is incredible beauty and freedom and joy. I can honestly say that when I feel the prick of God's conviction, it is sweet to my soul because I know that he loves me too much to leave me ensnared and controlled by sin. A lot of us have grown up in Christian circles that maybe shy away from talking about sin, repentance, confession of sin, and personal holiness. And so we're often conditioned to think that any prick of remorse over the wrong choices that we've made is a feeling that we need to avoid at all costs, that we should tune out conviction and simply focus on God's unconditional love for us. But what freedom and life we miss when we fail to let God shine his searchlight within our soul and cleanse the dross from our inner life. We're conditioned to think that the process of being made holy is a dour, miserable, legalistic experience, and yet I find it so fascinating that several places in scripture describe the beauty of holiness. To be cleansed and refined from sinful strongholds and shaped into a reflection of Christ is truly a beautiful privilege, one that was made possible by his precious blood. In order to experience the beauty of holiness, we need to welcome his conviction instead of pushing it away. We need to be willing to acknowledge our sins instead of justifying them. By God's enabling grace, we need to repent and let him make us new, no matter how difficult or humbling the process may be at first. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. To regard iniquity in this verse means to harbor unconfessed sin within our hearts. Whether we want to admit it or not, there is a direct relationship to unconfessed sin in our soul and our ability to know God and make him known. I remember when our oldest son Hudson was about nine years old, we had a family time of confessing sin and asking each other's forgiveness. Hudson responded to God's conviction that night and made many things right with his family members. In fact, that time of confession and repentance went on for more than two hours, mostly because of Hudson's willingness to take it seriously and respond humbly to God's conviction. Afterwards, he felt light and joyful. He said, it felt like I was wearing a backpack of heavy rocks, and once I confessed my sin, that heavy backpack disappeared. From that point on, Hudson's personal relationship with Christ began to thrive. If you are ready to unload your own heavy backpack full of spiritual rocks and experience an unhindered relationship with Christ, I encourage you to take some time alone with God and Echo the prayer of the psalmist, search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God to shine his searchlight within your soul and bring to light any unconfessed sin or sinful patterns in your life. Respond to his loving conviction. Receive his enabling grace to repent and turn from your sin and make things right with others that you have wronged. And remember that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's important to realize that there isn't a specific formula for confession of sin and repentance, but there are some key biblical principles that can really help you in this process. And one of the most important ones is one that we've touched on already in this episode, but it's to embrace conviction and reject 
condemnation. When you think of God's conviction, what images come to your mind? Do you envision a harsh, angry, critical tyrant who only wants to condemn you and rub your nose in all your faults? Or do you envision a gentle, loving, patient father who loves you so much that he longs to set you free from the sinful baggage that is weighing you down? If the first, then you are confusing God's conviction with the enemy's condemnation. The two are very different. God's conviction is born in love with the desire to see restoration and renewal. Proverbs 3.12 says that whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Conviction is that gentle prick of discomfort on our soul that we feel when something needs to be corrected within us. Sinful attitudes and actions that his spirit desires to cleanse from our lives. Conviction is not a sign of God's disgust and anger towards us. Rather, it's a sign of his great love and delight in us. Conviction is always paired with hope. It gives the message that there is something richer, deeper, and better for you to experience. Conviction is an invitation to be made more like Jesus Christ and to enter into deeper fellowship with him. Condemnation, on the other hand, has no hope or life associated with it. It gives the message you are a miserable failure and you'll never change. Condemnation constantly questions God's love and causes us to focus on ourselves and our faults instead of on our loving Savior and his mighty power to cleanse us and make us new. Think about the woman who was caught in adultery in John 8, 3 through 11. There was such a difference between the way that her accusers treated her and the way Christ treated her. Her accusers saw only her sin and offered no hope or grace for forgiveness and renewal. But Jesus saw her, a precious life that he could redeem and renew. And yet just because he didn't condemn her didn't mean he left her to wallow in her sin. He forgave her and then told her, go and sin no more. Jesus corrected her, but his correction was not angry and condemning. It was loving and hope-filled. Don't allow the enemy's condemnation to drown out the sweet sense of God's conviction in your inner life. When you hear the voice of accusation and hopelessness whispering to your soul, refuse to listen or give it any credibility in your soul. Remember, those messages never come from God. And when you feel the gentle prick of God's conviction, don't shy away from it just because you're afraid of feeling remorse or regret over your sin. Embrace it as a sign of his tender love for you and respond wholeheartedly, knowing that it will lead to amazing life and freedom. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. It may be uncomfortable for many of us to even hear the words holiness or conviction or repentance, and yet this is the path that leads to the greatest freedom and joy. If you feel God's conviction in your soul, it's because he greatly loves you and delights in you. The Bible says that whom he loves, he corrects just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So embrace and receive his correction, knowing that it leads to life and not death. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode to go deeper into what it means to live a Christ-centered life and to allow him to take you through your own personal revival. Please visit us at setapartgirl.com and check out the many resources that we have there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.